Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do the Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Hello, and thank you for joining me again today on Do the Work. I'm looking forward to sharing some tools and principles to help us better live lives that are congruent with who we are and who we want to be. But first, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like or appreciate what you're hearing, will you share it with others? Will you leave a review on the platform that you listen? Every review that is left and every time you share increases the chances of others finding the podcast and learning tools and principles that will help them better connect with themselves and others and find joy and peace in their lives, which is my motive for doing this podcast in the first place. So thank you for that. One of the gifts of being a life coach is that I get the sacred opportunity of seeing inside of someone's heart, into their home, into their family. I see and hear the joy and the pain. And when individuals and couples or families come into my office, they are unaware of where most of their pain is coming from. They think it's coming from the experiences or the people in their life that are causing the pain. And the truth is, there is inevitable pain in our lives, like I've spoken of before. The things like natural disasters, car accidents, bike accidents, boating accidents. We have betrayal of someone that we trusted or a parent or two who was emotionally or physically or mentally ill. We have loss of a loved one, a friend or family member, or of a loss of an expectation. All of these things are inevitable pain, and they're things that we can't control. And it's really important to understand that. Our bodies were made to be able to work through that kind of pain. We have a whole emotional system inside of us that if we're willing, we can work through this pain. However, it's been very well researched and documented. And I can also say from my small scope that I can see that the greatest and most common human fear is the fear of being abandoned, of being alone. And I can see how from a very young age, we learn how to manage and control what others think of us and how we might respond so that we can keep others in our lives. We do this without knowing that we're doing it. Sometimes our fear of abandonment is so big that we actually turn that around and we push people out and we become prickly and hard-hearted so that they cannot abandon us because we've already pushed them away. I want to be clear. Boundaries, honest speaking, being responsible for our choices and expecting others to be responsible for their choices is not pushing people away. That is actually an invitation to others to connect deeper if they're willing. But the pushing away that I'm referring to are the walls that we build around our hearts so that no one can actually get to know us or see us or have a deep connection with us for fear that we might be hurt again or abandoned. I hope that you have already connected to this in some way because these are human experiences. They're not the exception. They're not because we are a certain race or we belong to a certain family or a certain, we are a certain physical size or a a certain demographic. These are human experiences 
We are born for connection, and fear tries to convince us that it's very possible that we could be completely abandoned, and so we begin learning ways to protect ourselves, and many of them hurt us, not help us. They disconnect us instead of connect us. So I share many tools and practices with clients, and it never gets old to share with someone a a true principle and see them connect to it. I don't have a client that has walked into my office that I've not shared this true fact. Our thoughts create our feelings, and our feelings create our behavior. And ultimately, we have the power to choose how we see and perceive our experiences and the world around us. If I knew how to do sound effects, I'd do a mic drop right now because this truth that that my thoughts create my feelings and my feelings create my behavior and that I get to choose how I respond to that is life-changing. The challenge, though, is to understand what we're thinking and why we think it. Where does that thought come from? Where did I learn that? What experience did I have in my life that has created that perception in me? What am I afraid of? And many more questions that can help us get to the bottom of that. So yes, our thoughts create our feelings. And understanding that can literally change our whole life experience. But understanding why we think the way we do is critical. Most of us just go through life never even knowing to question our perceptions. I'm here to push on that today. Okay, so have you ever been to Disneyland and seen a parent losing their mind with their ungrateful, spoiled children? Or a child who wanted something specific and didn't get it and and is throwing a temper tantrum? If we could get into the heart and mind of every parent who takes their child to Disneyland— I would guess that we would find a load of expectations. We are going to have so much fun as a family. We will get our money's worth out of this. My kids are going to love this. Or we'll be closer as a family because of this. Or this will make up for some of the mistakes I've made as a parent. And on and on and on. Different expectations that we have going into this experience. And then someone complains or is mad or doesn't want to walk anymore. And oh boy, I think I've seen more parents acting like children in Disneyland throwing tantrums than I've seen children acting like children throwing tantrums in Disneyland. Is this because they're terrible parents? I don't think so. I mean, it could be true for some, but I'm guessing generally no. It's likely that they're unconscious that they even had these expectations. And then when the experience doesn't unfold as they expected, they feel deep frustration and they have no idea how to say to themselves, wow, I had a different expectation for this experience. I feel sad or disappointed or hurt or frustrated, whatever the feeling is. And I love my son or my daughter, and I'll connect to their need right now. Instead, because we don't know that and we don't know how to self-regulate and speak truth to ourselves, we just throw a tantrum because our child is showing up differently than we expected. Satisfaction is a function of expectation. 
And for most of us, our expectations lie in our subconscious brain. So we'll often find ourselves hurting or sad or mad or dissatisfied, but we don't understand why or where that's coming from. So we spend a lot of our time blaming others for our happiness or lack of it. Blaming others is one of the biggest outcomes of unmet expectations. So I'm a believer that life is a lesson, and probably because I spend a lot of my life listening to other people's life experiences, I see so much of life in everyday experiences, and recently this came together for me. I love to ride my bike, and I love it especially with friends, and sometimes those friends invite me to do things that are hard on my bike. I don't always love that. In the middle of the winter, my friend Pam sent a text out to me and two other friends, and the text said, triple bypass. I felt dread and excitement all at once. This is a ride in the mountains of Colorado that I had done one time before, four years ago. The ride puts us in some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen, riding up and down three mountain passes for 118 miles. It's called triple bypass for more than one reason. Because it was in the middle of the winter and because I was looking forward to spring and summer and getting on my bike and I love a challenge, I'm a believer that if I can do things physically that are hard, I can also do things emotionally that are hard or spiritually that are hard. So I agreed pretty quickly to do the ride. To prepare for this experience, we had to train well. We would ride our bike sometimes three times a week, almost always looking for a hill to climb. I want to be clear. I don't like riding hills, up hills on my bike. It's hard, and I'm often the slowest of the four of us. And I am the youngest by a good amount of the four of us, which doesn't matter, but just wanted to give you that detail. And sometimes I feel like I'm not going to make it up the hills. I've already been riding my bike pretty consistently for several years, and hills don't seem to get easier. But truthfully, as the summer goes on, my resistance to them lessons. So there was a particular day that we headed over to a mountain in Utah called Mount Nebo. We got on our bikes and we started to ride. It's about 16 miles uphill to the summit. And the goal was the summit that day. As we headed up, we were dodging cows that had gotten out of their pasture and it was a holiday. So there were more cars than usual coming up and down the road. So all of those things added to the experience. I'd done this ride before, the Nebo Loop, but it had been several years. And here's the truth about me when we're on our bikes. Sometimes I'm like the child in the backseat of the car asking my friends, are we there yet? How much farther? What's the grade? Meaning, how steep is this stupid hill? And I ask these questions more often, especially on this ride, because there are several false summits. The only way I know how to describe a fault summit is that when you are sitting on your bike looking up the road, it looks like you're about to hit the top of the mountain. And then when you get there, it might even out for a bit and it might even go downhill for a minute or two. But then eventually you're riding up again. And so you just keep riding. You keep pedaling. You keep working. You keep moving. Through the ride because it's hard and we're just going uphill, literally you might pass us if you were doing a quick jog. (laughs) 
Through the ride, we'll often congratulate ourselves for how far we've come, for how hard this is. We'll declare our gratitude for our strong bodies or our bikes, and especially for the beauty of the world around us. That there's, there's good things that happen going up as well, but we are conscious about reminding ourselves of that. To reach the summit after pushing yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally feels incredible. It feels so rewarding. It just feels so good. Well, we made it to the summit that day. And then we got to ride down all of those hills and miles that we rode up. Riding down the very hill that you just labored to ride up is exhilarating. Sometimes, <laughs> I know this might feel weird to listen to, especially if you're not a bike rider, if, you're, if you don't cycle. Sometimes when I'm going down a hill that I just came up, I will be laughing and crying at the same time because those two emotions are pretty close to each other, but I'll have tears coming out of my eyes, but I'll also be laughing. And I, I'll, I'm praying, I'm like, thank you for this experience. It is, it's such an incredible experience. I think to myself, I did it. I just did something really hard, and the downhill almost feels extravagantly generous. Really, I get to go down this hill with all of this beauty and not a lot of effort. Even the cows and the cars had thinned out by our descent. I don't forget the hard of the climb, but it quickly fades as my bike rolls down the pavement to where we've parked the car. We congratulate ourselves when we get down there. And we load our bikes up and head home and go on throughout our day, almost as if it never happened. Is this not so much like life? So often it feels like we are riding uphill. And oh boy, are there fault summits from time to time that we, from the time that we're born. Think of it. We're born with legs, but we don't know what to do with them. I have the greatest picture of my granddaughter holding, like holding her foot and looking at it like, what? This has been here forever. <laughs> what do I do with this? And then we learn to walk. And then we learn to talk. We have these summits of walking, of talking, learning how to zip up our coat. We make it to middle school and then we make it out of middle school, which those are both big summits. We graduate from high school or we graduate from college or receive a specific training or learn a specific skill. We land that first job. We serve a religious mission or we get married or we have children. We start a business. Can you see all of these summits, all of these, when I get here, when I have this experience, we're looking for, we keep looking up because it's hard. We're laboring to get there. Maybe we start making money, we get all of our children in school, or we have a crucial conversation with someone that we love, and it allows us to feel closer to that person. We receive a raise or a promotion, and we start making the amount of money that you maybe never dreamed that you'd make. You buy a home, your dream home, or you simply just buy a home that you can make, or you buy a house that you can make your home. I asked a client the other day, I was talking to her about fault summits, and I said, what were some of your, I said, do you know what I mean? She, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I said, well, what are some of your fault summits? She said, I used to think, <laughs> so imagine her on her bike looking up the hill. I used to think if I just did everything perfectly, 
then I'd be happy. So the summit of perfection, that's a steep one. But we have them. We all have these false summits in our life. Here's the truth about these summits. Anyone who's reached them knows that these experiences are not the end of the ride. They're simply false summits, like I've mentioned before. They are experiences. They're not the end. They weren't meant to be the source of all of our joy. Some of these experiences are connecting and wonderful, and you'll never forget them. And we don't want to take away from those experiences. That is so real. Some of them can actually feel terribly disappointing because you had an expectation about how you might feel when you reach that false summit and then you don't feel that way. When we aren't aware of our expectations around these false summits or when we believe that they are the summit, that it's all downhill from there, then we'll find ourselves anxious, depressed, disconnected from ourselves and those we love, and possibly from God or our higher power. Our brains were wired for connection. So if we're feeling disconnected in any of these areas, we want to take note and figure out what is going on. Why am I disconnected? Why am I not being honest in this relationship? Why do I feel disappointed in what I'm doing? Or do I, why don't, can't I get to a place of peace or joy? No one expects a child when they begin to walk after all the cheering and encouragement to pat themselves on the back and just stop walking because they reach that summit. If someone had a goal of a master's degree from a certain university, they reached that goal and then they got off the bike, that degree would mean nothing to them. And it wouldn't help them continue to learn and grow and progress. Or if you started a business and you were so excited about it, but then you just walked away because look, the business is going. The fact that we reached the fault summit is not where the satisfaction, it, it feels good. And that's so important to feel and allow ourselves to have that experience. But we don't want to get off the bike. Learning and growing and progressing requires us to acknowledge the moment when the grade of the hill evens out for a minute and we feel the joy and relief of the flat or the downhill. Oh, I love a flat road. (laughs) I love a flat hill. And you've already shared how I feel about the downhill. But to find joy and satisfaction in our lives requires us to keep pedaling and to find joy in even in the climb. Living our life and hoping that everything will change when we reach some of these false summits is giving is us giving up our agency, our ability to feel joy in the present, to recognize that every day, every experience, we can have opportunities to connect, to love, to lift, to live. Our lives were meant to be a challenge. And yet, if you're like me, I keep finding myself surprised that the challenges keep coming. Riding my bike uphill is painful. That pain turns to misery when I start telling myself that I shouldn't be feeling this. I'm not strong enough for this. I should have trained more. What was I thinking? Or, (laughs) so we actually did the triple bypass this last weekend. And 
we started, we were on our bikes by like 4.45, 4.50 a.m. in the dark. We're riding up a mountain. And pretty soon, people started passing us going up this hill. And it's a men and women, strong, I mean, strong bodies. Um, you know, we're like grandmas on our bikes. <laughs> we're literal grandmas and we bike. And um, these other people are not just their bodies either, but it was tempting to like, well, of course you're flying up this bike or of course you're faster because you have a, you know, a better bike than I do. But all of those just, uh, just contribute to the misery because the truth is the ride was meant to be hard. And if I start telling myself stories about what it should be or shouldn't be, then I disconnect from myself and I'm focused more on the stories I'm telling myself than my experience. Are you fighting reality right now in your life? Do you have thoughts that sound like, this shouldn't be happening to me? This isn't fair? Why do bad things always happen to me or to someone that I love? Or he or she doesn't love or care about me and it's destroying me. If you have those thoughts, you're sitting in optional pain. Here's another truth about a road bike. So on a road bike, you have many gears and we often refer to the main gears as the hard gear or the easy gear. And then you can go into different gears inside of those gears. I can't tell you how many times when I'm climbing a hill and I've been in my easiest gear for a long time, but I still will click my gear just to check if there's any chance that I'm not in my easiest gear because it just feels too hard. I just need one more gear. I, I'm not sure I can do this. In our life, we don't have gears to switch into when the hill gets more and more steep. But we do have tools. First and foremost, the tool that is most effective when we feel ourselves moving from pain to misery is to ask ourselves these questions. What am I thinking that's creating this feeling? What or what am I afraid of? Or have I validated myself yet? I can't tell you this past weekend how many times I said to myself quietly and also to my friends, we're strong. We're really strong. Like we are doing this. Can you believe we're doing this? And then we would validate each other through that experience. You may never get on a bike, and you don't have to, to know that life is hard and can be very challenging. But I am inviting you. I'm inviting you to stop and ask yourself, are you a victim in your ride? Have you become a victim to the hill? That might sound like, I said earlier, it's not fair. You know, nobody cares about me. Why is everybody else's life better than mine? In reality, when we compare our most private with other people's most public, we will always be in our hardest gear going up the biggest hill. And it's never helpful. I want you to think about that today. As you go throughout your day and as you continue to try to connect with the people that you love or work through the traumas that are in your life, we all have places in our life that are painful, that need love and care and connection. And my invitation to you is to notice, do you 
Do you have false summits? Are you disappointed because there was more uphill after the summit that you reach? And if you are, it's okay. Validate that pain and then keep pedaling. Maybe switch into a, a different gear. But recognize if we're going to learn, if we're going to grow, if we're going to progress, it's going to come because we've gone up a hill. There is not a lot of growth when I'm coming down a hill. I still have to stay engaged. I still have to, you know, be mindful of what's on the road. I have, I have to watch my speed, what's behind me, what's in front of me. But I, it, it's a totally different experience. Think about your faults summits. Enjoy them and then ask yourself, Am I holding on to what I thought that would mean? And if you are, it's okay. Acknowledge it, validate it, and then get back on your bike and and ask yourself, what is my reality? Byron Katie wrote a book called Loving What Is, which I think is just fantastic. And she she has a lot of other um, resources as well. But my favorite quote from her is, when you argue with reality, you will always lose. So you're going to have many choices in your day and in your week. I'm inviting you today to notice where are your fault summits? Are, are you like riding to a fault summit or have you like plateaued on a fault summit and are sitting in that victim space like, what? This is not what I expected it to be. And if you find yourself there to validate yourself, to find someone who will speak honestly to you and help you move through and pass that false summit. The goal is to continue to progress through this life and the next. And I, I believe with my whole soul, if we'll give our, ourselves the space to do that, that even the heels will feel worth it because we'll be different we're changed with every life experience that we have. We'll be different. We'll be more connectable. We'll be able to see people differently and ultimately be able to love in a way that we never have. Love ourselves and love others. That's my invitation for you this week. Look for your fault summit. If you're stuck, switch into a different gear. Keep moving. Thanks for joining me and have a great week. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience, or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire, and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.